Jazz lose three straight. What's going wrong? And more on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS 3112, equal housing lender. Forgot to mention in the pre-open as well, Darren Williams, all-star guard, former jazz man. If you watch basketball in the mid-aughts, you watch this guy going head-to-head against Chris Paul. So it can't miss with D-Will. I was able to catch up with him on the first of this month and then locked him up for the podcast. He watched Jazz Warriors, as he saw, and Bear presented him with a championship belt for his fighting win against Frank Gore. He's at a different point in his life, and I'm glad he was able to share the steps necessary that he took to change and to better himself. Because he was one of the most electric point guards to watch. It was a discussion, Chris Paul, D. Will, in the mid-2000s, and it was a product of that guy being damn good with Carlos Boozer. And it was the last team that went to a conference finals, something that this group absolutely wants to do. So I asked him, what does it take? Third member of the conference final squad that's appeared on the podcast, AK, Carlos Boozer. Check out those interviews in the archives on Round Ball Roundup. I think those discussions still relevant to today. Jazz haven't been playing to that level as of late. Let's get to the basketball It's looked ragged. It looks bad. The defense is the number one issue, and it's the only thing that you could point to. If you're listening to an analyst that says the offense is the problem right now, turn off the television, turn off the podcast, move on, because it's defensive that they absolutely are being impacted on. A couple numbers over the last two weeks. And, And this happened before Rudy went out. So consider that in the explanation for what's going on right now. Last two weeks, according to Cleaning Glass, Jazz's defense is 117.3. That's their defensive rating. That would rank bottom five in the league. Detroit last night, coming in, again, according to Clean the Glass, had the worst offense in the entire league. 101.5 rating. League average... It's about 110, 101.5. And they played last night to 127. So the problem is absolutely defensive. And sometimes the simplest answer is the right answer. Occam's razor, simplest answer is the right answer. Nobody to go bare on the floor. Defense looks impacted. And that is the answer. I mean, if Rudy's out there, he starts fixing some of the mistakes, and they play much better defensively. But this problem isn't, entirely fixed by Rudy. And it's something that we talked about with Tim McMahon, with Bobby Marks, as you look to this trade deadline season, he's looked to the buyout market, what do the Jazz need? They need more defense on the perimeter. The only answer that they have, and they put him on every opposing team's best offensive player, it's been Royce O'Neal. That Detroit offense scored 78 points in the second half. An absurd total. And you watched it. Clips are circulating on social media after. Worldwide Wob has the most damning one with Hassan Whiteside sending out an outlet pass that gets intercepted and he doesn't meet him at the rim to defend the shot. Those type of things are focus-based. 
and they weren't focused defensively last night. I mean, this is a two-game trend because against Indiana, DeMontis Sabonis goes for a career night, 42. It's scary to see how leaky that the defense is. You use all of that to say how different health and safety protocol basketball is. Jazz are absolutely impacted. They have three coaches sidelined. They have Joe Ingles not with them, Rudy Gay, Gobert. They've had to sign Daniel House and Norvell Pell. And shout out to those guys. Seriously, them being able to get back to the league is awesome as an opportunity for them. House can come off and shoot threes, and he has the bow and arrow celebration. Happy for him. That is really cool. Because they get their shot to play in the league amongst the best 450 players in the NBA and live it out. Lance Stevenson, for as much as he did the Jazz in Saturday, him being in the Pacers uniform, that's where he should be. But that isn't the way that this team was constructed. Daniel House shouldn't be getting minutes for this team. And if I told you that two months ago, you'd be very surprised. So health and safety protocol basketball is weird it's different. It doesn't represent what the Jazz are all about, in my opinion, because you need the Rudy's Joe to be in the locker room to also hold your team accountable. Because in that Hassan Whiteside clip, him being unfocused for that play, I'm sure it was pointed out by others, but having Joe, who's so impactful to the culture of the Jazz, Rudy, who sets the tone defensively and holds people accountable on that end, that would impact the way that I'm sure others play as well. But that's also a sound wide side. Having George Sedano on in Summer League, and we're talking about this on the podcast, yeah, it's a boomer bust. There are moments when he can be checked out, chasing blocks. And you you had that entire experience in the first half as he was going against Trey Lyles. He had an impressive offensive package first 24 but the defense won the second half where they're given nearly 80 points up surrendering 50 percent from the field that was equally as bad but it truly doesn't come down to, to one player and the reason why they're playing defense this way it comes down to the collective and it being on the perimeter it highlights how much Gobert cleans up for you and it's a similar problem tomorrow night as jazz take on the cavaliers at vivin arena darius garland he can shake you if Cade Cunningham is getting it done, driving straight to the rim, Darius Garland's going to get those holes as well. Then again, I mean, Pacers, Pistons, Eastern Conference Finals, that sounds familiar and sounds like something that could happen in the realm of possibility. Sure, why not? They look like it against the Jazz. Not if the Cavaliers have anything to say about it. You know, as as dumb as those statements were, like the Cavaliers part might actually be a thing with how well that they're playing. I actually like that roster. Jared Allen's an actual all-star. Evan Mobley's been everything and more for them as a first-round pick. I don't know if I anticipated that heading into the year, how good that the Caps would be. Pistons were supposed to be bad. Cleveland? I don't know. Podcast brought to you by Fanatics. For authentic Utah Jazz player gear, including jerseys, shorts, warm-ups, and more, visit fanatics.com slash jazzgameused. That's fanatics.com slash jazzgameused. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. I know that wasn't fun, talking about the jazz, losing three straight. But this talk that I have coming up with Darren, 
This is going to be fun because you learn a little bit more about him. Huge combat fan, got into MMA, trained in that. You know the story about him being a wrestler growing up. Kind of why it made that physical frame, how big he was on the court, make you think that he was so durable as a player. And unfortunately, his career was snake-bitten by plenty of injuries. His ankles were destroyed at one point that he had to have repaired. But he played the point guard position as well as anybody in the league for about a three-year stretch. And when he was in Utah, he found some of his best highs as a player. I mean, ultimately, it was that team that went to the conference finals with Andre Karolinko, Derek Fisher, Memeno Kerr, Carlos Boozer. That team that maxed out on absolutely everything that they were given and made you sweat in the Western Conference. I think more importantly, though, Darren that I talked to the other day is not the Darren that you met as a jazz fan, but he's changed. And I hope you hear a little bit of that here. He's into boxing. He's into MMA. We discuss that, and then we get to the basketball as a companion piece because I think this always needs a postscript when you're talking Darren Williams and Utah Jazz. Please read Aaron Fox. Peace on it. Getting closure with him and Jerry Sloan. Much needed. But ultimately, Darren's in a different place. So enjoy. D-Will. Ex-Jazz man. Ex-NBA vet. 1-0 in the fight game. On Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. I know they, they, they want me to probably do another one. Um, and we're supposed to talk here coming up. But, uh, you know, my stance is pretty much the same as it was the night of the fight. And, um, after it was done. I mean, I've been training a little bit just to stay in shape. But uh, that's about the extent of it. Did the dream match your reality of actually getting in there? And I'm sure since this has been documented, you have respect for these fighters. But once you get into the ring and you actually take a punch, there's an elevated respect for what they do. Did that dream match the reality of you actually getting in the ring? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was tough. The whole, the whole six weeks. I mean, um, I hadn't sparred in about two years since pre-COVID. Um, and hadn't honestly done much training. And so I was out of shape. I was like 245 pounds when I got the call. The fight was at 215. So, you know, I had a lot of lot of lot of against a lot of odds against me, you know, and um, you know, it was tough because I had to lose the weight. I had to get in shape. I had to, you know, shift my focus to boxing. Um I had never been in a ring until about three weeks out from the fight. So um you know, it, it was tough. It was tough getting ready for it. It was tough preparing for it. And then, like you said, you know, when you get in there, you know, all the training in the world, uh, I don't think can prepare, can prepare you really for for that first fight and what you, what you you experience. But um, definitely glad I did it. Um, you know, like I said, it was one of those things that I I have always I've always wanted to do. You know, uh, it's one of those things I've always looked at. Like, man, I wish I could I could I could get in there, and I, I'm glad I was able to do that. What was the throwback of having to cut weight, having to make weight for a fight? I'm sure you had to do that in your wrestling days. Yeah, um, except for I was in shape and I was, you know. <laughs> That's true. I was a little kid, you know. So, you know, I was cutting sometimes like a pound or two, you know, three at the most. Because um, my, my weight my weight didn't really fluctuate at that age. And, um, 
you know, it was pretty much easy. It was pretty much morning of sitting in, in the car with the heat on with, with some trash bags on. Um, that was about it. So this was, this was a little different. Um, but honestly, I made the weight, no problem. I came in four pounds under, um, under, under the, uh, the weight limit. And I actually did have a rehydrate clause where I couldn't rehydrate past 221. And so, um, after, after making weight, I still had to be kind of conscious of that and make sure, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't gain too much weight before the fight, but still I was two seventeen and a half, you know, the night of the fight. So, um, it was easy. Where did this love of combat sports start? Was it first with MMA, then to boxing, or were you a boxing fan first? You know, I was probably a boxing fan first because um, MMA was just getting started, and, you know, it wasn't easy to watch, um, especially at a young age. Uh, I kind of had to watch whatever my my, my mom <laughs> wanted to watch. And um, my brother's dad, he was a he was a boxer and, and um, boxing fan. And so that's kind of what we, we watched in the house was boxing you know, until I was old enough to find, you know, MMA for myself. And so, you know, we watched a lot of boxing matches in the house. Um, but as soon as, as soon as MMA, you know, I, I got wind of MMA and, 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 and started tuning into that is kind of when I, I shifted more to, to, to enjoying MMA and watching MMA um, just because I think of my wrestling, my wrestling background. What were some of those early fights that you were watching? Was it Tyson that got you into it? Was it Ward Gotti? Which ones were the ones that got you? I mean, we watched a lot. I mean, we watched a lot of boxing. Um, but yeah, I, I think Tyson. Um, Tyson draws you in just because of his sheer power. And, and you knew what you were going to get every fight. You know, you were you knew you were you were probably going to get a knockout. Um, and then, you know, uh, it was the other stuff that, that, that drew you in. It was the spectacle, you know, it was the Tyson Holyfield, uh, you know, Tyson Lennox Lewis. But I mean, I, I watched everybody. I watched Sugar Ray. I watched, um, you know, Ward. I watched Gotti. I watched, you know, Bernard Hopkins. I watched, um, man, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, Fury Wilder last year was awesome. It was. It was. I mean, all, all three fights. Um, yeah. You know, they, they had everything you wanted. You know, they had knockdowns, they had resurrections, you know, you had, you know, you know, you had Fury looking like the Undertaker. Uh <laughs> thought he was out and just sitting up and then getting up and then coming back. But, you know, it I I felt like he was definitely the better boxer. Um and and it was evident. And I didn't think Wilder even had a chance the third fight, but he still got a still scored a knockdown. Well, and I have so much respect for Wilder because his chin my goodness, the guy can take a beating. And and that's what you respect out of these fighters. Everybody, it's the Tyson line. Everybody has a game plan against until they get hit in the face. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's very different once you're in the ring. Wilder, I, I have ultimate respect for because the guy can take a punch. That's for sure. Uh, For sure. I do too. I wish he would have just handled defeat a little bit better. You know, that was the only thing that kind of, kind of irked me, you know, um, but he's a competitor and um, he, uh, he battled, man. I mean, I know it's tough for him to lose three fights and that kind of, I know I've seen he's questioning retirement now. So, you know, I think it's tough for him and see how he battles back, but I definitely don't think, you know, hopefully it motivates him too to get better, um, you know, fundamentally. Um, Cause I think if he worked on his, you know, his, his defense, he worked on, on, on being a little more technical, 
um, adding that power on top of it, he'd be a, a handful. What was your game plan once you got hit? Did things change once you were in the ring and you actually were throwing hands? Not really. I think um, I got hit in the second round. It got kind of rocked and you see it kind of like I had like a little blank look for a second. Um, I think that woke me up um, and was like, all right, let's go, you know, kind of thing. So uh, my, my, my situation was, was a good one, I feel like. How different is it to train? You know, you were a basketball player. You're, you're on a team. Now mm -hmm. you're fighting. It's individual. How different was mm -hmm. that just getting ready for it? Completely different. You know, um, you know, with, with basketball, you know, we have 82 games, you know, every game, you know, every game is important. And you're not going to have it every game. Yeah. I don't want to say every game is not important because it is, you know, every game matters, you know, it matters for the fans who are coming to watch people in the people at home watching, you know, um, but, you know, there's going to be days where you don't have it, you know, you try to find it. there's going to be days where you're dead tired because you just played, you know, three games in four nights. Um, and in those games, I had a chance to pass to people, you know, if I'm not feeling it, I can, you know, dish out the rock, like, Hey, you go get 20, you go get 25. You can't really do that in boxing. And, um, you know, when you're sparring, it's the same thing. You know, when you're, when you're training, you're sparring, there's days where you're, you know, I, I was getting beat up. I was, you know, I wanted to quit. I, I want, <laughs> but you know, you realize, you know, you, you start thinking about, okay, well, what's, what's he doing? You know, is he quitting? Is he, you know, is he getting beat up? And so it's just a total different um, mentality. I feel like um, a different, different, different type of cardio, different level of cardio that goes into it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that was, the, that was the toughest thing for me was, was just, you know, preparing. And I, I felt like the fight was, was a lot easier uh, than training for the fight and, and the weeks leading up to the fight. Were there those transferable skills from you training MMA to training boxing? Because I know before you, you had this fight and before COVID, you were planning on, on having another fight, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, part of, part of MMA is boxing. You know, there's, there's, there's a boxing base there's stand up, you know, yes. You know, there's kicks involved and there's takedowns, but there's days where you don't, all you do is work on boxing. And if you, if you watch a lot of the best fighters uh, in the game today, a lot of them have very strong boxing, you know, Piotr Jan and Volkanovski, Dustin Poirier, and, Conor McGregor. I mean, these guys have good stand-up, good boxing. Um, so a lot of what I did was was boxing based and, and hitting mitts and hitting the bag and, and sparring only only hands. So, um, but like I said, I hadn't done it in two years, so I was a little rusty and it took me some time. I hadn't been hit, so I had to get used to that all over again. Which is that's that's another thing, you know. I remember my first first sparring session back. I was like, man, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do this. You know, I was getting cracked and I'm like, oh, this this doesn't this doesn't feel the same as it, it did when I was, you know, training a couple times a week. How tough is your chin? How tough are you taking a punch? Um, uh, you know, I can take a punch. Um uh, I've never been I've never been dropped. Um so and I've been cracked a couple times. And like I said, he 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 got me pretty good in that in that second round and um, you know, wobbled me a little bit, kind of, you know, but I think kind of woke me up at the same time. That's why I asked at the beginning, are you retired? 1-0. You say you're retired, but Mike Tyson came out of retirement. 
you know, Evander Holyfield came out of, out of retirement. All these boxers, they want to get back into it. They like the rush of of actually getting the fight. And I'm yeah, gathering I mean, from this, it's crazy. If I was younger, I'd probably say yes, for sure. Like if I was, you know, if I would have done this right after I retired, um, you know, when I was 32, 33, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, but at my age, it's just, it's tough. Man. I mean, I had a lot of injuries that I battled through just to get to the fight a couple of times where I thought, I'm not going to make it uh, because stuff was just so bothering me so much, nagging at me so much and um, was affecting me during sparring. But, you know, I, I didn't want to back out um, from the fight. And, and, you know, it was nothing serious enough to where I was like, all right, you can't do this. You're involved with the MMA gym, Fortis MMA. Um, mm -hmm. Who are some of uh, the up and comers that, MMA fans should keep an eye out on. I mean, we got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of men and a few, few women in the UFC right now. And, um, you know, we have a lot of notable ones, Uriah Hall, um, Jeff Neal, you know, got some, some Macy chess on some people ranked, you know, in the top, top 15, uh, in their weight classes. But we also have some, you know, a lot of up and comers, um, you know, that are already on the roster, you know, Miles Johns, um, Kennedy and Zachuku, Ryan Span. Um, but we also got a lot of, lot of, um, a lot of men and women that, you know, are fighting on, you know, their way up. Some amateurs and some, some people fighting in LFA that are that are gonna, you know, be in the UFC in the next couple of years for sure. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out at First Colony Mortgage. Jazz Warriors on New Year's Day. Uh, mm -hmm. What were your impressions of the game? Those were two of the top teams in all of the league. Yeah, I mean, it was a good game, you know, back and forth battle, um, you know, and, and dang Steph Curry, man, he's just tough. You know, he, it was one of those quiet games where he, he wasn't, he never got really hot, you know, throughout the game, um, but they just kept it close enough to where, he can turn it on, you know, and when he gets hot, it's, it's, he's just as hard as anybody in the world to guard, uh, hard as anybody ever to guard. Uh, Cause he can shoot it from anywhere. Um, and it would all hit some big shots, made some big plays. Um, but I liked what I saw from the jazz, you know, um, I think Joe Ingles struggled a little bit shooting the ball. If he hits, you know, three or four of his shots, uh, I think it's a different ball game, um, but but uh, I liked what I saw from the Jazz for sure. What is it for a person like Donovan Mitchell who is trying to be a face of the franchise? You had to do it for the Jazz. You had to do it in, in Brooklyn slash New Jersey when you were with the Nets. Uh, what type of burden is that to put on on someone's shoulders to be that type of player? Um, a necessary one, I think. You know, um, I, I think. I think Donovan's the type of kid that obviously wants it, um, relishes it, 
and has thrived in it. You know, um, I, I feel like he's he's improved every year. Um, you know, you see him becoming a, a better leader every year. Um, and I think he has what it takes, you know, um, to, 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 to carry a franchise, you know, um, and, and the kid is special, you know, there's no doubt about it. And, um, you know, he's a hell of a player to watch. He's fun to watch. I enjoy watching him. Um, and so I think it's, yeah, it's a burden, but I think he's the type of kid that can handle it. What does it take to keep on getting better? Cause you could, you could have a, a good year, but to have a good career, that's mm-hmm. a different level. And to stick around in this league is, is a yeah. different level. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think you have to be strong mentally, you know. Um, I think, uh, I think you know, it, for, from my, you know, my experience, um, I, I struggled mentally with it as I got started getting injured and wasn't able to kind of do the things that I could before. I couldn't rely on a lot of my athleticism the way I, I could, you know, earlier in my career, especially when I got to Brooklyn. And so um, when my body started to break down mentally, um, it was a lot on me and, and probably didn't handle it the best way. And um, so that, that for me, that, that was the toughest thing for me. But, um, you know, he, he's been healthy, you know, knock on wood and um, hasn't had to deal with, with, you know, anything extremely bad. So, um, I, I, like I said, I, I think he's the type of kid that can handle it. You know, he likes the, he likes the spotlight. Um, I think the only thing is, is he going to, you know, is he going to stay once his contract's up? That's, that's the biggest thing. Is he going to want to go, you know, to a bigger market or, you know, test the water somewhere else. Um, and I hope he doesn't, I hope he, you know, is a, is a, is a lifelong, you know, jazz guy. Cause I think, um, I, you know, I know better than anybody else. The grass isn't always greener, you know? What was that time after you're having to deal with injuries and your game is going to change because you're dealing with injuries? Uh, how did you try to get real with yourself that your game is changing, but you still can contribute at the NBA level? Yeah. I mean, um, you got to adapt. I mean, every player does, you know, the older they get, um, you know, things start to decline. The, the biggest thing with me is I probably, I, I, I probably didn't take care of my body the way I should. And, you know, when you, when you look at, you look at what guys are doing now, um, you know, LeBron and CP and the, the amount of work and money and, and, you know, things that, that they're doing to spend on their body. Um, is, is I think what's helping them keep going, you know? And so uh, I think that's the, the, that's the most important thing is just taking care of yourself, taking care of your body and taking care of yourself mentally. Um, but I just wasn't in the be- best headspace, you know, once I left, once I left Utah, uh, once everything happened with, with, with coach Sloan and with the media and things like that, it just took its toll on me, you know, over time. Um, and uh, you know, kind of cut my career short. Well, I'm sure going from Utah to New York media doesn't help at all. Yeah, and it, it, a lot of it, it was not even the media, honestly, because I, I didn't pay attention to, to it for the most part. I, did, I didn't get on SportsCenter. And anytime something was said, the only way I heard about it is if somebody brought it up or, or told me about it. Um, it was more internal pressure because I had always, I'd always put a lot of pressure on myself, you know, to be the best I can be. You know, I had, 
you know, aspirations. I had, you know, goals that I wanted to attain in, in the NBA. And um, like I said, when, once the injury started, um, you know, um, just, you know, kept piling on and piling on. It was just like one after another. It's like I would get healthy and then all of a sudden something else was hurting me. Something else was bugging me and something else needed surgery. And so those little nagging things kind of took, took their toll on me mentally. Do you think that the league is in a better place with how it's dealing with mental health and, and things like that um, that you experienced in your career now than it was when you came in? 100%. I mean, social media is is – is a blessing and a curse, you know. I feel like it's it's um, it can cause a lot of it can cause a lot of uh, you know mental health issues, but it also has brought awareness to a lot of mental health issues. And you know, there was a lot of a lot of things that you know uh, you know I struggled with depression and anxiety and hate hated speaking, hated like you know um, I hated social you know gatherings where there was you know a ton of people that I didn't know I hate like those things like would give me extreme anxiety and you know uh speaking before the games when they would tell me I'd have to speak to the fans before the games I would literally think about that for like four or five days it would ruin my day like it would ruin like I would just dread it and it would affect me for days make you know and and little things like that it's like but you you don't say anything about it because it's like well, you're the franchise guy. You're supposed to do it. This is what you got to do. Um, but like little things like that would take a toll, you know, and for some people, they don't care. They'll just go out there and they'll rattle off something. But other guys, you know, and I know other guys that are like that, too, where there's things, things bug them. And so, you know, I think um, the way the, the way the league is going right now with, with mental health, all the leagues, really, you know, it's it's a lot more prevalent. Um, there's a lot more light being shed on it. And so. You know, I think that's that's great. I think that's um, that's huge for for this for sports in general, for the, for for our sport, and you know, making sure guys are are mentally, um, you know, well as well as physically. Well, one of your guys, uh, former teammates, Kevin Love, he's been mm-hmm. huge, huge on huge. this, and, mm-hmm. and been a, a great advocate for what's happening with the league and how it's getting better. For sure, you know, um, you know, he, he's 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 come out publicly and talked about it to, to, uh, to an extent. And I think he's, you know, a lot of guys, especially, I mean, for one, I was, you know, I didn't want to talk. I, I was one of those guys that didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to, you know, feel like I'm making excuses, but, um, you know, it feels good to talk about it. And you know, that it's, there's other people that are in, in the same boat, not only in sports, but just in every walk of life, you know, struggling with things, um, in, internally and, you know, some people, uh, you know, don't deal with it until it's, until it's too late or uh, until, you know, something bad happens. What's helped for you? How have you changed things around? Uh, I've just done, I mean, I've just done a lot of work on myself, you know, and, and um, you know, realized, you know, I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't, you know, happy with who I was and things I was doing and how I was acting. And so, um felt like I needed to change, you know? And so, um, done a lot of things, a lot of therapy, um, you know, just a lot of work internally. What it take to get to a conference finals? Because the last time that this franchise has gone there, you were on the team with Carlos Boozer. I asked the same Mm -hmm. team to same thing to him when he came on the podcast. What does Mm -hmm. it take? 
what was required to get to that moment? Oh, man, you know, um, uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, a lot of things had to happen the right way. You know, a lot, a lot of a lot of breaks had to go our way. You know, it, it takes a, a little bit of say a little bit of everything, not a lot. You know, um, you know, I felt like we got really good matchups that favored us uh, in the playoffs. Um, and then we were we were we were a young, hungry team, you know, and, and we, we we wanted it. And we had some good leadership as well with, with um, Derek Fisher and Matt Harpring. Um, but we had a lot of young, hungry guys. And so, um, you know, it took, it took a lot of hard work, took, took a lot of things going our right way. We got the right matchups and, and we're able to, you know, to get to the Western Conference Finals and lost to a, a really, really good San Antonio team who ended up winning the championship. You were across a couple of really great dynasties with the Spurs. You had yeah. LeBron in the heat. You yeah. had the Warriors towards the end. I mean, even playing Lakers. in the finals, finals against the Warriors, the Lakers were really good. Yeah. Um, having that cohesive group and having that continuity, how difficult is it? I mean, even, even competing against those teams to make it to not only a conference finals, but even the finals. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, you see it. Like I said, little things have to go every little things and really everything has to go right for, for teams to win championships. You know, number one, you got to stay healthy, you know, one injury, you know, to us, to a star player. And you see what, what happens to a team, you know, um, you need stars to win championships in this league. Um, for the most part, you know, there have been historically some teams who, you know, I've had like one or two stars um, and won it, but um, historically you need to stay healthy um, and, and like matchups are everything and you have to be peaking at the right time, you know, and you have to lock in when, when it comes playoff time and, and be ready to go. Chris Paul, what the hell, mm -hmm. how does he do it? How, <laughs> how is he still doing it right now? Well, like I said, the one thing is he's taking care of his body. You know, I, I've talked to him, um, you know, recently, and he just said he, he feels he feels good. He feels young. You know, he had a stretch, you know, three or four or five years where, you know, he was getting injured, you know, and he was dealing with those those injuries that I was talking about. But mentally, he stayed there. He stayed, stayed in it. Um, he found the right, you know, situation um, for him, for himself. You know, I know he went vegan and he's, um, you know, he's got a, a strict regimen that he does, you know, training wise. And his, he said his body feels amazing. And, you know, his mind is sharp as can be when it comes to the game of basketball. And so, um, man, he's what he's doing is amazing out there in year what, 16, 16 or 17. What would this be for me? I don't even know. 16. I think it's amazing to see, you know, um, seems like he's he's getting better at, at the older he gets. Is it true he couldn't get tickets to your your fight? Kind of. So the promoter, after I, I <laughs> went on, a, I think I was on a podcast and I said that or an interview or something, he reached out. He's like, you know, I would. I was like, well, I, I sent you a message that he wants tickets and you said you're out. You have none. <laughs> His best bet is to get is to get online. So I'm like, that's what I told him. I was like, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I guess that the front row sold out pretty quick and they said that they only had a couple they're holding for the, the, the Diaz brothers. Mm. Okay. Fair enough.
Dante Jones, what is what is the conversation when you guys first meet in the locker room after so many fights between you two <laughs> on the court? Uh, I don't remember. You know, it's funny because, yeah, I mean, he was just like when if if somebody would say, you know, who's the player that uh, you know bugs you the most or you you know you can't stand in the league before I played with him it was it was definitely Dante Jones because he was one of those players that when you played him he was always you know borderline I don't want to say dirty mm-hmm. he just play, he's one of the players you hate to play against right you want him on your team you hate to play against Patrick Beverly yep Edward Nahara um there, there was a bunch of them. what's the kid from the McConnell TJ McConnell. McConnell. Yep. Yeah. There's those guys who they they just play they play extremely hard. Raja Bell maybe. Raja Bell, Bruce Bowen, they do they Some people say they're dirty because they've had more run-ins than others. Some people say they play hard, they play, you know, John even John Stockton, you know, he's yeah. <laughs> was considered but he played hard, right? And so I would always get into it with him. He would do like little things like trip me or, you know, I'll cross him over and get by him, he'd reach out and trip me extra bumps, you know, just little things that would piss me off. And so he was like one of those guys that I'm like, man, I can't stand it. Cause I didn't know. Him, right. Then right. I get on the team with him and really cool dude, great family guy. Um, end up hanging out with him a bunch when we were in, in, um, in Cleveland. And, and uh, I even told, I told him, I was like, man, I couldn't stand you, bro. I was like, <laughs> I literally couldn't, I could not stand him. Last thing, and I'll let you go, uh, because on the 1st, on New Year's Day, you said you hadn't been golfing much, but you have mm-hmm. golfed with Ryan Smith before. Mm-hmm. Give us a rundown of his game. Who's more competitive on the golf course? Ryan is competitive as hell. I'm, I'm competitive. I mean, I'm competitive in everything, so I, I, don't know, I don't know if I can say he's more competitive than me, but he might. He might. There's – he might be, and he, he's got a great golf game. He's mm-hmm. definitely a sandbagger because he'll say, <laughs> like, he's, like, a two or a three sometimes, and I'm like, you're, like, a plus one. Yeah. And maybe he's not now because I know he's been spending a lot more. He hasn't, he hasn't been golfing as much, I think, since, since acquiring the Jazz. Uh, he hasn't been playing as much, so maybe, he, maybe he's now playing to, like, a three. Um, but, but he's really good. He's good. Danny Ainge is really good. Um, Probably got probably got the best golfing staff and in, in, <laughs> oh best golfing owner, CEO, GM, whatever uh, in the game right now. I talked to the actor Michael Pena, and he yeah. said he was he's been in one of their foursomes, right? And yeah. he said the most competitive person he's ever met is Danny Ainge. For that sure, that guy will run you down on the golf for sure. course for anything because he's that competitive. He wants anything. to win, and he's going to try to get under your skin. He's going to yep. try to. Uh, we play in this this event called the Crew Cup. Um, Pena, Danny, Ryan, and a bunch of other Utah guys, CEOs, um, and it's it's honestly it's the best event I've ever been a part of. Best golf events. It's twenty four guys, Ryder Cup style event, and uh, I I played my first year. I played Danny in our in our in a singles match, and <laughs> he was trying to he was trying to tell me I'm playing slow and. And, and I'd already got the rundown on Danny. And so when he said that, I almost started playing even slower just to piss him off. And right. I, ended up beating him, I ended up beating him like four and three or something like that at Pebble Beach. Um, and uh, 
made me pretty happy. It made me there pretty happy because Danny Danny talks some smack and he likes to he likes to dish it out. There you go, the win over Danny Ainge, the win in the boxing match. Yep. Winner, Darren Williams, NBA vet on utahjazz.com. Darren, thank you so much for taking the time. Of course, man. Glad to be on.